Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'll bring on Evan Damrell, Locked On Cavs, on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Now, I do want to just say this. I, I, I'm a fan of chaos, and at the same time, I appreciate Evan because he hears me out for all of my crazy NBA conspiracy theories. So, Evan, thank you for joining me, my friend. Appreciate the time and appreciate, you know, you, you walking me through the tinfoil hat that is the NBA offseason. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. And they did say on Game of Thrones once that chaos is a ladder. So maybe you're just climbing up the ladder to my window at night when you send me those big trade <laughs> hypotheticals. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, no, no, Mac, that's not going to happen. And then you're like, but I can dream, right? I can... And I'm like, yeah, d- dream big. Shoot for the stars. And, <laughs> or shoot for the moon. And maybe you'll land among the stars. That's the kind of situation. You sound like a disappointed parent when you say that, man. Like, and, and that's the, the, way I'm, the way I'm dressed today for the fourth, I feel like I am a dad right now. <laughs> so maybe this is just the vibe. Oh, man. Evan, you know, I, I, I want to jump into this first. I, I, I was talking about it uh, before I brought you on, but... You know, I felt like, you know, the Darius Garland extension, obviously massive move for the franchise. Uh, but I think that in signing Darius Garland, the one point that kind of goes uh, that people were missing was the fact that that doesn't have any player options. It doesn't have any opt out. So, you know, both the team and Garland are both kind of agreeing that, hey, we're sticking out through this for all five years. I think that's a pretty big step when it comes to that contract. Yeah, I think it is a big step. And I, I reported on this back in February or March, like soon after All-Star, I said, yeah, he's going to sign a max contract or pretty close to it. It's just, it's understandable. Maybe like Cleveland might have had some reservations because he has this massive year three leap and it's only one season of like tangible data to say like this guy's the real deal. But like you said, I think it's a good faith gesture too. You're telling Darius, hey, you are our franchise point guard of the future. You are one of the pillars and faces of the franchise alongside Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Let's lock you up and get you taken care of because let's be frank, Darius is super involved in the community during All-Star. I covered him um, donating to a local high school and helping a band afford new uniforms and new drums and new instruments. And then he also paid them to go to Battle of the Bands in Alabama that year for an HBCU competition and also helped pay for those seniors in that band group to have a college scholarship. Like, He's very committed for being so young to this community. And I think Jared Allen did put it best during All-Star as well. I think he's also one of those guys who takes pride in the fact that, yeah, LeBron is Darius's older brother just through having the same agent, a lot of mutual uh, friends in the NBA. I mean, he was at Kevin Love's wedding with LeBron and everyone else. But I think Darius takes a lot of pride in the fact this is the first cast team that could realistically make the playoffs without LeBron since, even before I was alive at this point. So it's <laughs> it's 
something that they definitely take pride in. And I think that's kind of the Cavs MO when it comes to drafting dudes too, is do you want to be here long-term? So we're not committing serious assets and acquisitions to you so that we don't have to risk losing you in a few years time. And yeah, no, I was a huge fan of the signing when I saw the news finally broke. I had a little insight that morning, but it was a little cryptic, but (laughs) It was. It's a good move for the franchising. A smart one. I think locking up Jared Allen last off season, locking up Darius Garland this off season, and then Evan Mobley in two years' time is your path for Cleveland. And then I always say this: How do you build around those three? And I think the Cavs are doing a pretty all right job so far. Now, Evan, the other part of this too that I think is an interesting aspect is that you know looking at LeBron and his time in Cleveland. You know, the longest, you know, extension that he quote-unquote had was, you know, after his rookie deal when he had that three-year deal with an option year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the first time that we've seen a player that, again, nationally, a lot of players are a big fan of, you know, commit to Cleveland at this point. Do you think that that makes Cleveland a more attractive destination for other stars to come in, given the fact that, you know, he's committed to to this team and, and this franchise at this point? Well, not only Darius's extension being longer than LeBron's, it's bigger than anything LeBron ever got. In fact, Darius's extension is the biggest contract in Cavs franchise history, which that's notable in itself. But yeah, I think I think you are a little bit onto something. You do have to factor in the fact that Cleveland really isn't a glamour destination. I mean, I love it here. I tell folks I'll probably die here, but when the wind hits me off Lake Erie in the, the the doldrums of winter, I, I start to think, like, man, I chose to live here. But <laughs> that's the thing. Those guys have a choice in their free agents. But I think when you look at the Cavs, you have, like you said, people are huge fans of Darius Garland on a national level and media are too. Ditto for Evan Mobley. Jared Allen has a lot of fans as well. I think J.B. Bakerstaff being a successful black head coach is a huge thing the Cavs have going for them. I think the Cavs being such a diverse front office, especially with the black president of basketball operations, speaks volumes to how the Cavs operate, too. Because you think about Detroit not being a glamour market, but Jeremy Grant signed a mammoth contract there because part of it is because Dwayne Casey's the head coach and Troy Weaver's running the show there in like a historically black city. Like I think that empathizes a lot of players, too. But, yeah, I think the Cavs having their – star point guard in place who's so young to begin with so there's just so much more room for him to grow and blossom and the fact that they were already a winning team last year and you have to say the expectation is they're going to repeat that same success and build upon it and improve that yeah i think maybe not like the kevin durant sweepstakes this off season and especially not the Kyrie irving sweepstakes as well but if you're looking down the line and maybe a younger star becomes disgruntled of the situation. Either the Cavs make a trade and he agrees to sign an extension because of the situation here in Cleveland. Or the Cavs could, if they keep their books clean, they could maybe go big name hunting at some point and say, like, hey, we may not be Miami or Los Angeles or New York, but we are a winning program. We are consistently successful and we're fully invested in making you successful. And I think that really helps their case down the line in terms of free agency. Now, Evan, the other side of this, too, you have the one point guard, obviously, that has been signed in Darius Garland. You still have you still have Colin Sexton that's sitting out there in free agency. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that, you know, he had the injury uh, that ended his season last year, but it, it just seems like there hasn't really been much, you know, news surrounding Colin Sexton. And all of the other possible suitors have really been kind of dropping off. One, have you have you heard anything regarding Colin? And, and two, are you kind of surprised at 
you know, how slowly it seems like his market is uh, playing out, at least uh, publicly? Well, I think the market really slowed down for him at the time of the draft. When you look at the Pistons acquiring a shooting guard of five, and then they kind of just absorbed all of New York's quote-unquote bad contracts to help the Knicks clear a path for Jalen Brunson. The Pistons removing his house in the sweepstakes is hard. I think Indiana could still be an option if you wanted to maybe see him go somewhere else. I think maybe San Antonio could be a little bit of a dark horse to you. I think the Wizards being an option, but after they take Johnny Davis in Wisconsin, they re-sign Brad Beal, they um get so they get uh Delon Wright as well. Like the, the the a lot of options have dried up around Colin and I was kind of given the impression before free agency opened that it was it was going to be fifty fifty if he came back. Like the Cavs want him here. They they gave plenty of lip service publicly in terms of him being a cultural leader and being kind of the key proponents of the start of this rebuild of theirs or a renaissance if John Bayline was still around, but it's a little tricky because right now Cleveland has 15 players under contract. They have two guys on two-way deals and Isaiah Mobley and RJ Nemhard that they have to navigate the situation carefully because a lot of it does come down to what does Colin want financially. And it's been reported by me. It's been reported by Chris Fior. It's been reported by everyone at this point that Colin wants starting guard money in this league based on his production prior to the injury, because he does have a solid body of work and Starting guard money means $20 million, maybe a little bit above that, just depending on where he's signing with. But Cleveland obviously has the reservations because he's coming off a meniscal tear, and I think it's with the luxury of modern medicine, you hope he comes back, but there's going to be concerns about that. There's going to be concerns about his fit because he played less minutes than Ricky Rubio in these 11 games this last season, and he also did look out of place at times, trying to find his spot off ball in Cleveland's new offensive dichotomy. And more than anything, even after he went down, a lot of people thought it was going to be a big blow. I did, too. You and I actually talked about it the night of the injury. They announced he was out. And he said, what moves can they make? And I said, the Cavs are, they aren't an organization to overreact. And they didn't. And they continued winning. And they were a win away from making the playoffs after having two bites of the apple in the play-in. So I think the Cavs have a compelling enough argument to tell Colin, like, hey, We'd love to have you, but clearly, like, we're doing okay without you as well. And now it's tricky because they have all these guys in a contract. Now it doesn't become official until July 6th, and things can obviously structurally change. Like, the Rubio situation could be a sign-and-trade where they try to offload the contract of Jetty Osmond or Dylan Windler or a combination of the two just to open up since roster space and bring Colin back. But the problem is with signing and trading Rubio or Rubio is, is you hard cap yourself as a team and that limits what you can pay Colin financially. And if you're Colin, do you want to take that kind of money? And it's, it's a really tricky situation. I haven't heard anything. I saw the internet buzz about the Dallas Mavericks over the weekend. And then that just didn't make sense to me just based on how Dallas is operating and how limited roster space and salary cap they have. And like their big acquisition was Christian Wood this off season that I'm I'm not sure where he ends up. I still think he ends up back in Cleveland. It's just now it's a staring contest to figure out how much money is he willing to sign for and also how much the Cavs are willing to commit to him. Well, at that point, too, you know, I'm just curious because, you know, when it comes to the Colin Sexton uh, situation, obviously, like like you mentioned, you, you expect him back. But I'm always fascinated because it just seems like, to me, the, the Colin Sexton – argument at least when it comes to a sign and trade 
is that it, it really seems like this could be one of their their final like larger pieces that they could move off of of value that they can go ahead and bring somebody else in who might fit better in that sense. So you know when it comes to a yeah. sign and trade uh, with with Colin, how do you kind of feel about that? And you know if, if you're if you're kind of looking and canvassing the NBA, are there any players in particular that you're kind of keeping an eye out for that you would be interested in bringing into Cleveland? See, it's tricky because after Malcolm Brogdon went to Boston, that was a guy I kind of just circled. Yes, he has injury concerns and he hasn't been healthy with the Pacers, but he makes a lot of sense in theory next to Darius Garland and it's just as like a connector piece, kind of similar to what Derek White did with the Celtics last year. So the, the Celtics have an overabundance of the riches once again, but I haven't really seen a lot of names. It's just it's a lot of just guessing and everything else. Like maybe you could get Doug McDermott from San Antonio. He structure a signing trade with him, and like Doug McDermott makes a lot of sense in theory, just because he is a bigger wing who can provide you three point shooting and some rebounding as well. He can play three four and kind of fits the mantra of the Cavs wanting to play bigger at certain spots. Um, other than that, maybe you try to do a double sign and trade with like the Pacers, and you. Sign and trade Colin to Indiana, and if you feel confident in T.J. Warren as a player, you bring back T.J. Warren or maybe another piece from Indiana as well. But I think a lot of it does hinge on this Kevin Durant decision. We'll wonder if it happens because he did announce he's going to Golden State on the 4th of July, so maybe a trade happens today. Hmm. But I think a lot of that hinges on what happens with Kyrie and KD. And then maybe a lot of these other moves, like teams like, oh, well, we missed out on this guy. Let's go get the top, arguably the top guard remaining left on the market because Zach Levine's back in Chicago as well. Like, there could be a team that comes out of left field, obviously. Um, the Cavs are, they, they are, they are like lasagna, the real G's and moving silence. So they do like to be subtle in their moves and they don't really like to show their hand too, too much. But, there's options out there. It's just like you said, the market is dried up. A lot of teams have a lot of stuff tied up financially. Do teams want to take that gamble on Colin? Do they want to commit a lot to him financially? It's just a lot of questions going against him. But again, you can just point to tangible data that says like he, there is something here. He's still ironing out some of his warts, obviously, but like there's a good player here who could be your six man or, a starting few guard next to a bigger point guard because he makes sense on the Pacers. He makes sense on Dallas that the Mavericks can make it work. He makes sense with Detroit next to Cade Cunningham as well. Like Collins, a great player. It's just what are the Cavs willing to give up, and also what are the Cavs willing to accept in a sign trade too? Or do they just want to bite the bullet and maybe sign into an offer sheet they don't necessarily want to match? But they look at the team he signed it with and like, do we want any of the players' picks or assets they're willing to provide us for him? Last couple minutes here with Evan Damrell of Locked On Cavs and Write Down Euclid Facebook News on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Evan, you know, I, I saw the deal that came down for Ricky Rubio. Were you surprised at the amount of money over the over the you know the multi year deal for Rubio? No, not necessarily. Um, I know part of it is going into their taxpayer minimum exception at this point, just based on the signing. Again, they have till July 6th. They want to structure it as a sign-in trade just to open up roster space. They can do that as well. But um, at this point, I'm not necessarily surprised because you're banking on maybe not the Ricky Rubio that came out the gates last season where he was just riding that high up the Olympics, but a couple of my listeners were a little upset when I just kind of pointed out that he was kind of coming back down to earth before the injury happened, but he's still a very high-quality cerebral pass-first point guard who 
is bigger, plays bigger than he is just size-wise, and is really good defensively next to Darius Garland, and I think unlocks a lot of things for the Cavs offensively. And I think you are hoping that he can be maintain that level of player. He can be that level of player. He's a positive locker room asset as well and presence. So if you wanted to bring in a younger point guard, then maybe he mentors and then he kind of supplants Rubio as Garland's backup. Like that's a scenario as well. But I wasn't surprised by the money. I know there's concerns about him tearing the same ACL twice, but um, Raul Neto kind of serves as a higher higher quality bridge than Kevin Pangos would because, again, no disrespect to Kevin Pangos, as I've said in the past, but Neto can kind of hold down the fort a little bit until Rubio is healthy and hopefully feeling more comfortable because he may not be back until next calendar year at this point. But we, again, don't have a full scope of the medicals and probably won't until closer to training camp from media day when the, he's able to speak to the media at that point. But I, I, I like the signing. I think $6 million a year for a pretty high-quality backup is a good thing for the Cavs, and you're just hoping he can stay healthy. And, yeah, like I said, you bring in a younger point guard maybe next year or the year after that, let him maybe serve as just like the third quarterback in the room who matches and helps develop this young guard because he's helping push Darius as well. And then he just passes off the reins to these two young guards, and then he is your high-quality break glass in case of emergency guard at that point. Now, Evan, last question for you. We got Summer League coming up, and I want to kind of get what are you excited about and what are you kind of looking out for when it comes to uh, NBA Summer League for the casual fan? I'm interested to see what the Pistons do because they brought their whole squad with them. They brought Isaiah Stewart. They brought Cade Cunningham with them. They brought Sadiq Bay. They obviously brought all their new rookies with them as well. Um, the Cavs are going to be interesting. I think we'll see how Ochai Abaji just operates in general. He spoke with the media on July 2nd after summer league practice for them, and he was asked, like, hey, if the Cavs asked you to take 10 three-pointers, would you do it? He's like, yeah, absolutely. As long as it helps the team win, that's what I'm going to do. And then he was asked about what are his kind of expected roles in the summer league. Like, they're going to use him a lot off ball. They're going to use him as a movement shooter, a cutter. They're going to use him in a lot of different unique and creative ways, but the ball in his hand, too. I think kind of getting a scope of where he's at right now this summer and gives you a launch pad to see where he could be next season as well, just because he's going to be an integral part of Cleveland's rotation, whether he starts or comes off the bench. Like that's going to be interesting. I think Isaiah Mobley is a player definitely worth watching. He's on a two-way contract with the Cavs, obviously Evan Mobley's older brother, but he was asked about what was expected of him. And he's like, I am expected to bring three-point shooting, playmaking, rebounding. He's like, my main focus is to support Evan and Jarrett. And I'm like, okay, he's saying all the right things. And, like, yeah, he popped at USC showing a lot of this stuff. It's just does he need time to grow and develop, and should you get a Cleveland Charge season ticket package now instead of later? So if he really pops, maybe you need to invest. But I think that's going to be fun. I think what the Lakers are doing are interesting. I've been, wa- I've been enjoying watching the Kings play in the summer league. I think Keegan Murray is really fun. I know he had kind of a down game yesterday, but his first game in summer league, he was shooting it really well. The shooting mechanics and stroke look nice. And I think summer league's fun. It's, it's glorified scrimmages. There's nothing serious to it at the end of the day, but it, it, it helps put in perspective what good of a place the NBA is in because it just influx a young talent coming into the fold. Evan Damerel, Locked On Cavs. Always love talking with him. Read his stuff over at Write Down Euclid on Facebook News. Evan, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Have a good fourth. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, 
Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with a vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.